Hey y'all, let me tell you about my friends at Run The World Clothing. Run The World is a community empowerment brand that chooses to educate on black history, black culture, and black radical thought through apparel and experiences. Run The World is a vessel to celebrate the black experience for our black people and our allies. And I have on one of their latest pieces from this season's collection. So if you haven't seen Run The World Vic's episode on the Work and Play podcast, go check it out or go to their website to check out some of their apparel. Now let's get back to the episode. So I'm actually really excited to have this conversation because I think you're like, not even a thing. You actually inspired me to like be an entrepreneur. Oh, snap. Yeah, I, I've said that before. Yeah, you told me? Like, yeah, I've said that before. Like you, um, watching you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so watching you, um, do your thing and just kind of work middle of the night kind of thing that, that kind of like inspired me to do my thing. And I, I just, I just feel like as I was still in, in my, my nine to five, you, your energy just kind of helped me and see that it was possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's deep. I appreciate that though. I yeah. really appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. That. yeah, absolutely. I won't, I won't ever stop saying this. Um, <laughs> even to the fact like when you, um, well, now we were at Trap. So when we met mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Trap, Trap Art. Trap Art. And I'm walking past and you're like, hey, you want to check out these clothes? And I'm like, what? what is this? And you taught me about Sankofa. Uh-huh. I, that, now, from this point forward, it kind of leads my journey. Mm. It really does. If people say Sankofa's or they say, yes, I see you giving back as, you, as you're giving. I'm like, yeah, Sankofa, that's what that means. So if, I ha- if you hadn't taught me about that years before I quit, and then if I if that that's really my favorite jacket, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so even even time even in time when we weren't talking, I'll be traveling. I'm, t- I'm taking my jacket. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just because I want to be able to snap a shot everywhere and just bring this this uh, energy. So so yeah, that's what I'm excited. I, I appreciate that because um, for a couple of things, one. I don't have that jacket. I don't own one. So you own something I don't even have. <laughs> yeah, I don't have one of those jackets. I wish I did, but I don't have one. Um, then two, uh, it affirms, it affirms, that's very affirming because that's literally why I started on the world was the concept of I wanted to be able to educate, empower, and inspire other folks. And so to know that that is actually the case, like when someone actually like tell you that, um, it's super affirming keeps me going. So I really appreciate that. Like, you know, there's a lot of times where you're doing things and you don't really know how other people are perceiving what you're doing or how you may be affecting the, affecting other folks. But when you actually get those times when people tell you, like, hey, you have you helped me do this, it's like the best feeling in the world. So thank you for giving me that, like, great feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and thank you, vice versa, mm-hmm. right? It's all, it's all, it's all cyclical. So, I mean, really, we can just go ahead and get into it since, you know, this is the epitome of work and play. I get to have cool conversations with my homies, and we get to literally extrapolate big ideas, philosophical ideas. We can talk about what our next career moves are and get real down and dirty into it. Um, so without, I guess, you know, we can just go ahead and get started. So welcome to the Work and Play podcast. I'm your host, Ariel, and I have the wonderful Victor, Victor Sandifer here to talk about his career journey. And it's a little bit different from the shows that I've done before, um, which you'll see um, his story is actually a lot more enlightening, a lot enlightening. I can't say more or less, but it's enlightening from a different perspective. And I think we can all learn 
some like cool tips about how to just kind of go after what we believe in and then, you know, let our passions shape our future and uh, so to speak. And, and then also listen to some some wise advice along the way to help you kind of take that leap. So without further ado, I've done enough introduction. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Uh, yeah. Um, so thank you for having me on. I very much appreciate it. Um, my little school I goes, my name is Victor Martin Sanford Jr. Please, please say the junior, internationally known, locally recognized, and yeah, I'm a native of Oakland, California. I currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm the co-founder and owner of a product and experience company called Run the World. Run the World, and that's literally the beginning of our friendship, yes. so, so um, I think it's important that we get into it. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about Run the World. How did that even start? Yeah, so Run the World started uh, back in 2013. It started off literally as a fashion blog. So the way Run the World even came about, it was my um, last year in college. 2012 was my last year in college. And I wanted to start college how I finished college, which was in the Summer Bridge program uh, for incoming freshmen. So Summer Bridge was a program for people who were just getting newly admitted into the university. And it gave them like a six-week course where they were able to take college classes before they got there so it could prepare them for what the rigor of the courses that they're going to be taking when the school year start and you like meet friends and they also have like different classes to help get you just equipped for the university and so i started in that program and i wanted to end in that program so i ended up being an ra for the summer bridge program living like in the dorms with the students as well as being a teacher's assistant uh, for a life journeys like literature class which was taught by my mentor his name is Kwame Patton. And in that class, we were reading The Four Agreements and The Alchemist. I had never read those books before, but I had to read them in order to um, understand like the material that I helped teach it for the students coming in. And so I was in that class like helping teach it, but I was also like learning for myself. And one of the things that that book talks about is like your personal legend. And so I started wrestling with what was my personal legend. I'm about to graduate school. I don't really have a plan. What I really thought I was going to do is go back to school and get my PhD. To become a teacher because I understood that the power of education was like super important and I just wanted to continue to share information with other black folks, right? Continue to share information that I was learning while I was in school with other folks. So I just felt like knowledge was important. And so in that class, I started wrestling with that and I ended up saying, you know, I don't know if I really see myself like being a teacher and going back to school. And my mentor was like, nah, I don't see you doing that and said, hey, you should probably, like, I think you should do something like fashion pretty much. And I was like, mm, that's kind of shallow. I want to change the world. How can I change the world doing clothes? Um, so fast forward, make a long story short. Um, <laughs> fast forward, um, one example of how the name Run the World came about was that a friend of mine uh, from high school, he said, he told me one day, like, yo, I'm a graphic designer. Like, let me know if you need anything. I was like, yeah, I'm actually working on something. I'm trying to start this fashion blog. I don't know what. Uh, I want the logo to be, but I want you to use my initials, which is a B and a S. So he sent me back a week later this uh, sketch pad of like different logos he had designed. One of those logos was a, uh, a figure. So the V was right here, like down, and then the S was like to the side like this, and then it had a globe on the top. So it was in a figure of a man running like this. And so that's how I came up with the name Run the World. Okay. Yeah. So that's how the name Run the World came up. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah. knew that. That's one thing I did not know. Okay, got you. Yeah. Okay, but but before you like make your story so condensed, 
going back to the professor mm-hmm. who's like told you just out the blue, okay, I think you should go fashion. From from my perspective, it's like I'm interested in being a teacher, and all of a sudden my teacher is telling me that I need to become a fashion person. So how, how did he make that connection for you? Okay, so yeah, so. What he said, and he didn't just specifically say fashion, so let me take that back. What he did say, he was like, he said, without thinking about it, what is one thing that you're good at that you don't have to think about? Like, he said, don't think about it. And in my head, I'm like, I know I should do some more fashion, but I want to change the world, so I don't want to say that. <laughs> like, I don't want to say anything about anything that hasn't, like, has nothing to do with changing the world. And I was like, I mean, something in fashion or something, like reluctantly, he was like, exactly. I don't see you doing like I see you doing. Like and I'm not trying to. He was like, I'm not trying to deter you, but I see you being bigger, and I think you're bigger than being in somebody's classroom teaching. Like I see you being bigger, and I was like, hmm. and I was just like, yellow. To be honest, I, it literally was one of the problems I'm in yellow. Like I might as well try it. Like might as well. So I was like, all right, well I'm gonna go for it. Yeah. Like it was literally that. But what was your relationship with fashion at the time? So in high in college, all I did literally, like. All I do, so I subscribed to GQ magazines. All I did was read those GQ magazines. I was always like Googling like people that I thought style was tight and I would just look up like how they were dressing. And that's, that's what I did in my free time all the time. In addition to that, I literally wore suits every day to school. So like I'm in college, you know how people wear like they bummy stuff and like try to dress like down because mm-hmm. they're in school and like they're on the grind. Mm-hmm. I went to class in a suit every yeah. day. Like I dressed up every day. So. Like dressing up was like a part of me. It was part of like what I like doing. Like I love expressing myself through like wearing clothes. So like fashion was always like something that I always like used to express myself. Even in high school, I always was expressing that, expressing myself in what I love. Okay, okay, okay. So your teacher tapped you on the shoulder. You like I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctorate, and I want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And he's like, No, 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 bro. You're gonna be much bigger than this. Yeah. Um, and there's something else that's in your heart that's gonna take you there. So mm-hmm. it was fashion. And from there, you designed the logo, mm-hmm. got Run the World. Now, did it carry the same meaning that it does today? How did the meaning of Run the World evolve? Mm-hmm. So, it started off as a blog, and the fashion blog is called Run the World. And the motto or like the, the tagline was Let the World Be Your Runway. So, wherever you go, you should always want to dress your best. That was the whole idea. So, like, okay. you feel good, you look, you dress good, you feel good, you feel good, you look good, you look good, you. You act good, like you act accordingly. That was the whole belief behind it. So I started this blog. It was very short lived, maybe like a couple of months. And <laughs> with the blog. Um, but this is like another story. But what happened after that was this: like um, a, a girl, an ex girlfriend of mine, she was like, "Hey, you should get on Instagram." So and I was like, "Hmm, I think I should." I was like, "Hold on, but I think I got one of those." So I went and downloaded the app. And I went to it, and I actually had already started one. I had already started an Instagram, and I already had like 300 followers. I was like, oh snap, this is yeah. good. So I went on there, and I started taking pictures like every day. So I would dress up, and I would literally go around and like take pictures every day. Um, one day, and another, uh, my girlfriend from middle school hits me up right <laughs> on Instagram. She says, she says, hey, um, can you, uh, can I use your per- your picture for MCM? And I didn't know what MCM meant, but I didn't want to tell I didn't know what it meant. I just said, yeah, just make sure it's not a uh, bad picture. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In true entrepreneur fashion, we just going to roll with it. Yeah, we're just going to roll with it, right? (laughs) So she posts this picture, and um, I'm going, randomly, I was going to the mall at that time. I was going to the mall, 
And I started getting all these likes and follows. And I'm like, why am I, I didn't post them today. Why am I getting all these likes and follows? So come to, well, come to find out her, um, her cousin is one of my really good friends, like from childhood friends growing up. He's a professional basketball player. And so he saw my picture and then reposted me on his page. And I started getting all these likes and follows, mm -hmm. right? So fast forward, the reason why I brought that story up was because right after that, um, he actually connected me because somebody reached out to him about me, about me doing some styling. So the second part of Run the World became me doing like styling for like different people in the NBA and the NFL. Okay. So the second iteration was, you know, I was like literally like ghost styling for folks in the NBA and the NFL. Really? So, yeah. What was that like? So you kind of just fell into it, but like, did you love it? Yeah, like I like doing it. It's like telling me to go shopping and like putting books together. It was just fun. Like, yeah. It was like, can you get paid for this? Oh my goodness, I was, I was sold. So I was doing that. Um, yeah, and then the person I was working with, she wasn't necessarily going to do it no more. And at that time, I just wasn't comfortable or confident in myself enough to like go out there and get my own clients and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, but this one the world thing, you gotta keep going, so I gotta figure something out. And I was like, man, now I feel like I'm okay, I'm, I'm going to do the clothes, like I'm mm -hmm. going to start doing the clothes. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did was, literally like a whole December, I just literally like bought as many books as I could from like Barnes & Noble, like old fashioned way, right? This is like 2013. So it's the end of 2013, I go to Barnes & Noble, I find like all these books. And that's what I think, one thing I will say is that what I really appreciate about going to the University of which is UC Berkeley, it's a research one institution. So I just was equipped with learning how to research. Like if I didn't know something, I knew how to go look it up and mm -hmm. do my research. So I didn't know anything about the business of clothing. So what I did was I went and got all the books, I read the books, but I also took meetings with people that I knew that had clothing lines and I asked them questions before I got started. So I did all that, but the last book I read was this book called Tribes by Seth Godin. And he talks about the idea that everybody are a part of tribes, everybody wants to be a part of something, they're just waiting for you, me, to lead them to where they already want to go. So you don't change people's opinion, people just connect with one of the things that they already value and they already like, and they're wanting to build community around that. Mm -hmm. So that made me start thinking about, okay, for around the world, how do I figure out a way to create something, an ideal thought that could build community? Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, hmm, okay, let me figure out what that is. I know, I'm, I know I'm all about education, I know I'm all about like empowering, I want to inspire, what's that thought? Then I thought about like the logo, I was like, that logo that I'm using, that's not really one that's good for a clothing line. And I just like, Sankofa just came in my head one day, I was like, oh, Sankofa. And this time I'm gonna put the globe in the center of the, um, of the bird, and I'm gonna make look back, give back to the world. Mm -hmm. And that's how like the whole run the world came about. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Look back, give back to the world. And when you give back with your passions, you're running the world. That's how that whole idea came about. And then later on, as I started to like fine tuning more as we went on, that's when it became that it's about educating, empowering, and inspiring the next people, right? So we used our product as a way to educate, empower, and inspire. And so that's kind of how the whole run the world thing came about. In yeah. short, and, um, I love it. <laughs> I really, I really love it. And it's, it's like uh, one thing led to the next. It developed into being much more. And that the idea of teaching has always been there, which you're finally at a place now. So when you think about what you teach now, what's one of those like larger messages that you tell in 2021 since you've been doing this for, you know, almost almost seven years now? Oh. Hmm. I think for me, like I um I really just want to teach like the value and the love of black people. Like they're like we're some of the most resilient, some of the most 
some of the smartest, some of the most like creative, some of the most thoughtful, some of the most selfless people this world has ever seen. And the way in which you keep people oppressed and keep people down is by teaching them that they have no contribution. And I'm just here to be a vessel to to bring more awareness to to black culture, black history, and black radical thought. That's what my whole my three things are, right? History, culture, and thought, and radical thought. And and that that's really what I want to teach is that black people have contribution before, after, and, and through slavery, right? That our our our, our lineage doesn't start with slavery. Um, it starts way before that. It supersedes a lot of everything else. So in that sense, I'm trying to teach that. In the other sense, I'm teaching that culturally, these are some of the things that we do. Like, I'm just watching that one uh, documentary. It's called High on the Hog on Netflix. Yeah, so it, what it affirms, what I already knew, but also affirms is that even though we went through this process where we were, where folks, with white folks in particular, were trying to rid of, of all of our culture, all of our history, and strip us down of all of that, mm -hmm. we were able to retain a lot of that information, a lot of that culture. Um, like, it just couldn't leave us. Like, it was just so maybe in our soul yes. that it permeates throughout the whole time we were enslaved. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying this, like, culturally, what I'm trying to teach is that, yo, you have a rich culture, and there's things that, even if we are from different tribes around the world, there's a lot of things that connect us in our core values and principles that you may not think through, but there are things that you do right now that you can, that are definitely African, that are super African. And when we think about that, we start looking at ourselves as more than just like black in America. When we start looking at this this global this global community that we have. Absolutely. And if more black people look at globally, this is who we are globally, that's mm -hmm. like, forget like all the things that we don't connect on like you ain't gotta like the color red. We ain't both gotta like the color red. We ain't both right. gotta like green. We ain't gotta. We don't have to all like jollof rice. We don't have to all to like jollof rice. But there are some core values and principles that a lot of us share. Yeah. That's throughout. That's kind of universal. Yeah. I think when we wrap our heads around that, we're able to unify. Yeah, man. We already talking talking spicy. We just got in here. Okay, so you have a very keen sense of an awareness of like the the collective and what you want to us to actually learn from your brand. And of, of course, that didn't just start in, in um, UC Berkeley, right? So tell us a little bit about how you like grew up. What was uh, your upbringing like? Were y'all like super like radical? No, so I don't think like I was like grow. I didn't grow up like radical in that way, right? I don't think. And I don't even think like my, my parents, my dad, like my mom, my grandma, like I don't think they were even like super like ultra like, so I'm from Oakland, California, and we know it's like the home of the Black Panthers, but my parents didn't really tell me much about the Panthers. I only knew from what I knew from like on movies that I seen or TV or books that I read. So it was never like, it wasn't like ingrained in me, yeah. like, to be honest. Like wow. I just always had this like love and passion with being black because yeah. the world tried to teach you that it wasn't like, it's bad to be black in a lot of ways, but I never felt that way. Yeah. Like I just, I love my community. I didn't care like to be outside of it. I love being around just black folk. Like that shit was cool to me. Mm -hmm. So I never really tripped. Um, but it wasn't until, but I did always know that there was some issues, there was something wrong with some of the things that I seen in my community. I was never able to articulate it growing up, but I knew there was some issues. There had to be issues why like my community looked like this, but when I was going to play basketball in different places around the country or around the, around the area, that it just looked totally different, right? 
And so I knew that was an issue. It wasn't until I became a senior, a junior in high school, and my English teacher had us read the autobiography of Malcolm X that I started to like, and I felt like enlightened. And I was like, oh shit, I had never heard this information, but like it makes all the sense in the world. And at that point, I was like, yo, I have to do something to help like spread this information to more people. Because here's a person that had been killed 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, however many years from, from, when, I read, from when I read his book, yeah. and he was still leaving an impact on my life. Yeah. So for me, I thought the way I was going to be able to leave an impact growing up was playing basketball. So my whole rationale for playing basketball is that I wanted to make a lot of money so that I can give it back to my community mm-hmm. and that people I would have influence. Yeah. Um, but I just saw that this per- I just experienced this person um, who had been gone for X amount of years who was still leaving an impact on my life, and I felt like I could do it without being basketball, playing basketball. And so at that point, my whole mindset with what my uh, life's purpose was uh, shifted a little bit. It was still similar, but how I got there started to shift. Yeah, I'm grateful that you found out about Michael X in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, I I can't give like percentages of how much knowing you has like impacted me, but I, I often say like. I um, spent 26 years of my life not necessarily even cons- like identifying as a black woman mm-hmm. or ever thinking about how racial tensions affected my, my upbringing. And even growing up um, in Georgia, our history was not about who Michael Max was. Um, if, if I, I caught the, I, of course, I caught the Denzel Washington mm-hmm. version of his uh, biography, but my understanding of them and my curiosity about them happened very, very soon after I started to get enlightened, I want to say. like I feel like I went to Greece. I did go to Greece after I got the jacket. Mm-hmm. And that's the one picture that I do have where, if you go to my Instagram, it's uh-huh. like, um, and in that conversation, wow, a lot is coming up for me right now. Because in that, so when I went to Greece, um, I was hanging out with a homegirl. She was having a conversation about something African-American related. And I had an opinion. And whatever the opinion was, whatever the thought was, it's funny, I can't even tell you what I said, but what I remember vividly was, Aria, you, what, you you care about this? Or you think about this or whatever? It wasn't like I was stupid before that part, but I never had truly had an opinion. And um, what I love about what you do now is create these exhibits that help us understand, like, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois. Fannie Lou Hamer is probably one that I learned more recently because of you. Um, and the, like from all yeah. aspects of what you do, even another one, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm actually going to ask you this question, but, uh-huh. uh, even when you do the, the run the world podcast and you start off by giving the dedication to black people, mm-hmm. I just am very grateful that you learned about Malcolm X when you did, yeah. because I think you've been educated just by your being mm-hmm. and it certainly triggered something in me. Clearly I'm like, yeah. I think that's just not coming up for me, but, um, how do you package education now in what you do? And, um, and like, how does that unfold? Like, how does that process unfold for you today? Like, do you still learn about black people that you never knew? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm forever. I'm a forever student. So as much as I think I know, I know that I don't know. Like, there's yeah. a lot more that I don't know. Uh-huh. And so I'm always uh, seeking information. So it's always just like a forever journey of like learning. I'm always doing it. Um, I read. Like, I literally read um, books. Um, I watch documentaries sometimes. Like I'm, I'm just so ingrained in like black people that I just immerse myself in it, and it's just become a part of like my daily like life of like trying to learn. But every time I come out of a new collection, it's always sparked by 
it's always inspired by something that's either happening in the world or something that I just learned that I felt like it's important for people to know at this moment. Mm-hmm. I just tend to subconsciously like have a connection with the universe in a way that what I what I feel like should be learned at that very time is really what's needed at that very moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just fortunate I don't know how to explain it, mm-hmm. but it always happens like that. Like whatever I'm teaching at that moment or whatever I found interesting and mm-hmm. I'm working on trying to figure out a way to share with other people, um, it always be the thing that's needed. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> That's crazy. I think I just started like getting. I mean, I've always I've said these things. So mm-hmm. I think at a level, I've always been conscious of yeah. it, and I say it. And I know you. I think I think you know mm-hmm. that based on what I say, like I, you really have had an impact. But just as I'm talking with you about it, it's getting real clear. A time and, and mm-hmm. time place when the evolution starts. And what's crazy? And what's crazy is like. I have this one shirt that I just made, and it's crazy. It's interesting you bring up W.B. Du Bois, right? So I designed this this new character for Run the World, and it's a light bulb that has a smiley face on it, and he has glasses. And I named that mascot W.E.B. Du Bois. Yes! So I named it W.E.B. Du Bois, but one of the shirts that I made with him on it, it says... Let let your light shine. Yeah. And I've said that to say that like that's literally like my whole mantra in life is like I'm not probably the most religious person, right? But this idea of like let your light shine so that they might see your good works, right? And like it's just one of those things that's super affirming that like if you just live your life a certain way and let your light shine, whatever that is, people will connect. You may not know when, how, or where, but your idea like our goal in this life is literally just to be a vessel for someone else to empower and inspire people and and when you so knee deep in the work, you don't always see that. So hearing you say that is just again like super affirming, <laughs> and it it keeps me wanting to keep going because there has to be another writer somewhere else in this world that needs to see me, and I got to make sure that I'm staying going for her, for her or him, whoever that person may be. Yeah. Um, even when I feel like I don't want to do it anymore, right? Or yeah. not necessarily not want to do it, or when it becomes challenging yeah. and tough. That's that's strong. I think that is very strong. If you did not have that enlightenment yesterday, let that be you for the rest of the day. I know you got work to do after yeah, this. But <laughs> so let that be your fuel. Um, and this is certainly like a good reminder for me. Um, since we're talking about the latest design that you have, which is the bulb, and I did notice mm-hmm. that because I, I use actually a light bulb emoji a lot in mm-hmm. my in my social media because of similar meanings. Um, so I caught that W E D. W.E.B. DeBove. I was like, that's dope. Um, so currently, I am wearing one of your latest designs. Mm-hmm. So I guess the bowl comes after this one. We have yeah. received. Yes, what's with this? Yeah. Okay, it's so it's in this, in this collection. Mm-hmm. Collection. So with this, um, this this flower, mm-hmm. it's kind of like hip. It's retro, throwback to the seventies. Yeah. What's the meaning? How do we how do we tie you know everything that we care about with like black enlightenment? Um, understanding that you know, if we if we shine our light and give back to the world, that's us running the world because we're mm-hmm. we're essentially giving our passion back to the world. How does what I have on today, and even your outfit for, for today, mm-hmm. how does that tie back into the message? So the name of this collection is called Black is Beautiful, uh, and Black is a acronym for Black Liberation and Cultural Conscience or con- Cultural Knowledge. Sorry, and so that so Black Liberation and Cultural knowledge is beautiful and that's my idea was like the the flower represents beauty the thunderbolt which is right here on the side Mm -hmm. represents liberation and then the light bulb represents knowledge and so it's really about 
I, I usually so sometimes I'm very specific, right? Sometimes I'm literally like putting it right in your face, like whatever mm -hmm. it is the message is. Mm -hmm. And then some of them I want to be a little more light and a little more fun. Mm -hmm. And I I purposely chose like coming out of the pandemic, purposely chose coming out of like yeah, out of this like, you know, very interesting time for folks in it. To, to when we're just about to go outside to have something that's really light. Like, I didn't want to do a heavy message this time. Mm. I want to keep it kind of light and keep mm. it fun and keep it, like, cool. Because I know it's, like, about to be summertime and a lot of people are going to be outside. So I was like, hmm, I need to create something that people can just, like, vibe with and feel with. And if they get some meaning from it, they get it. But it's really about, like, putting a message in the Kool-Aid, right? Okay. So it's like, black, black is beautiful. What do you mean by that? Because it has the dots. So it has the acronym. So like, what does that mean? Or black liberation and cultural knowledge. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean? What's black liberation? It's mm -hmm. cultural knowledge. Like yeah. maybe you start having those kind of conversations with folks. Yeah. I like the fact that wearing the clothes, even if you don't know the message, still sends the message out there. Mm -hmm. I think there's a special way that you tell the story that I'm so curious. Have you ever tried to like duplicate the the teacher side of you? I'm sure you've had interns in the clothing se sector, and we'll get into your entrepreneurial journey next, but have you ever tried to instill that teacher side of you or duplicate that teacher side of you within the brand? What do you mean by, like, am I, am I like, doing that? Am I... To give you an example, when you sold me my jacket, mm -hmm. you taught me about Sankofa, right. right? And even now, you're teaching us about, like, mm -hmm. the different symbols. I know you have a team, yeah. right? So I'm just curious to know, like, how can you, how do you envision instilling that educator in you and mm -hmm. teaching other educators to, to teach about the brand so that there's more people who know that information, right? It's, I'm going to give you an example. Um, I'm in this group, and we say Grand Rising, right? So sometimes people will say Grand Rising and have no clue what it means, right? So after so many translations and after it's gone so far from the source, you don't necessarily know what the meaning behind it is. And I would hate for that to happen with yeah. when you say that. So mm -hmm. how do you make sure the message still extends, even though it's like you want people to have fun and connect with the fashion? Yeah. So I call Run the World uh, a product and experience company, right? And so there's the product side, which is the stuff that we make, right? But then there's also the experience side. And so the experience side is the side of that informs and informs what the clothing is, clothing is about. So instead of being in a traditional classroom where I'm like teaching or having people read books or whatever the traditional ways of learning is, right? Mm -hmm. I try to do it through experience. Mm -hmm. So I'll create an event that will tie into the clothes that people experience where they get to keep the message going. And it's, I'm explicitly telling them. So it's not... It's not even left up to interpretation. It's like, hey, this is what we did this for. This is what it's mm -hmm. about. And it's all ingrained in everything. Now, people may not get it all at the same time, but that kind of enlightenment that you were talking about earlier is that it, the aha moment comes at some point in time mm -hmm. because subconsciously you're taking in all this information. You may not know when to use it, but at some point in time, it's going to come out. You're mm -hmm. going to be like, oh, I remember I went here and this is what I did because I just don't think that, for me, the traditional classroom is just very outdated. Mm -hmm. And we're competing with social media for people's uh, time and energy and their attention. So we have to figure out a way, because knowledge is universal, knowledge is important, we have to figure out ways to teach that knowledge in different ways that people can get it. And a lot of time, people get it through experiences that they had. Mm -hmm. So you can wear something and it has some meaning for it. And when you're walking down the street, someone's going to ask you about what that is. Either they may know or you may not know. So that's how I foster like the community. So 
one side of it is it's in the actual like experiences that we do. The other side, because it's in the clothes, people like to ask, hey, what is this or how it is? And the person that's wearing it is forced to either say, I don't know or know the information. And not and being asked it enough and mm-hmm. being told I don't know, you will at one point say, Let me do some research and figure this out because I'm trying to be honest. Uh, so that's the whole like that's the whole like connection with like I'm trying to find as many mediums as a way to help educate people. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I see you instilling that you see Berkeley research in us, even if even if we didn't yeah. have the luxury of going to such an institution. Yeah, like if, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so for me it's it's, it's I call myself. I, I consider myself like the Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick Lamar of fashion. Like I think, like Kendrick Lamar has a way to, to take very hard hitting like topics and to to say it and, and create an art that makes it way more palatable, right? And he's able to say and impact a lot and not do a lot if that makes sense in terms mm-hmm. of like his music. And so I try to do that in clothes. Like I'm the, like you don't like reading, fine. I'll do the reading and mm-hmm. research for you. I'll do the work for you mm-hmm. and I'll give it to you. And you just take it like, here's the cliff notes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's just one perspective of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, when you say that, I'm making sure, like, one, one of my favorite Kendrick songs is, uh, is the one where he talks about your royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember the name, but in terms of that, it just brings us back to, it's in my veins. It's in my, I got loyalty and royalty inside mm-hmm. my DNA. It's DNA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is very empowering, especially from like the message of like black empowerment. Mm-hmm. Like, don't forget, like <sighs> switching gears just a little bit. When I went to Ghana mm-hmm. um, and I was so mad I left my, my jacket at the airport. That's the most perfect place. That's the most perfect place. That is the originator. So if anywhere you're supposed to have it. Then, I know. Uh, I was so pissed. I swear I was so mad that um, for some reason, I don't know what happened in terms of the universe and why I left my, my suitcase on the trolley. But I swear this was gonna be the pinnacle moment. I'm in Ghana with Sankofa jacket. Like it would have looked kind of crazy out of place because it's hot. <laughs> like why you got this jacket on? But still, I was uh, definitely. But the reason I said it is because when I got the chance to do the Elmina um, castles, mm-hmm. really yeah, dungeons, mm-hmm. um, you really get a sense of what's in your DNA when you hear the percentage of people who got captured and died on the way to the castle, the percentage of people who died in the castle, the percentage of people who died on their way to America over and over, the statistics go on. And for me, I know I'm a descendant of a slave. Mm -hmm. That person went through every single milestone and made it all the way to America for me to be here. Mm -hmm. It's like, I got all kinds of stuff inside of my DNA. So the reason it ties back to what you do, I absolutely agree. Like, um, telling a message from a clothing perspective and being able to, I think that's why I'm so tied to it, you know what I mean? Because I get to tell my message in different forms. Through music, through things that I wear, and I don't wear a lot of things that have brands on them, so Mm -hmm. it just, it means a lot. So, um, before I get way off topic, um, we're talking the education piece, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's also the entrepreneurial journey that I think is really important for us to get into. So you um, were a fashion um, consultant, mm-hmm. right? In college? No, I was out of college. Out of college. Was that your first stab at entrepreneurship? Uh, yeah. I okay. Think, yeah, it was one of my first stabs at it. Yeah. Okay. Did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur, or was there a part of you that said, "Well, actually, there was," because you wanted to be a professor, so you wanted mm-hmm. to go the education route, mm-hmm. and you thought you were going to have a job. So since you sw- switched to being a um, fashion consultant. 
was it entrepreneur from there? What was your mindset on security versus entrepreneurship or any of that? Yeah, so I worked the whole time. Like in the beginning, I, I worked. So but all my jobs were in nonprofit for the most part. So my first job out of school was working at a youth center uh, in my old neighborhood. Right? Mm-hmm. My neighborhood is called East Oakland Youth Development Center. And I worked as the program coordinator for this highway to, to work program. And it was a program, someone told me this, but I, I don't know the term to use now. I think there's a new term that folks are using. So forgive me if I don't know the correct term, but I was working with underserved, underrepresented youth. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Like, so we're either at risk, they said, but there's a new one opportunity to use. Some who have been in the foster care system or in, mm-hmm. uh, incarcerated, mm-hmm. or incarcerated, mm-hmm. we gave them like job readiness training and helped them with uh, getting like a job. So I did that. That was my initial first job. My second job was working at this other nonprofit called Youth Radio, which is in downtown Oakland, and it's a media literacy training program. But I worked as the program coordinator for the education and career program. So what I did was, one, I, I still did like the professional development work, but I also met with students and had students under me that we would like mentor students to get to college, right? Mm-hmm. So we do like college tours as well. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then my last like full-time job was working back at UC Berkeley as the education, I mean, as the program coordinator for the African-American Student Development Office. So as I reflect on like all of my jobs, they all have to do with service. So I have to do with servicing, particularly black folks for the most part, I always have done something that had to do with service. So like, this is just what's ingrained in me. Like, my spirit has always been about how do I help and give back to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe a lot of that came from like my grandmother, because I've seen her like subconsciously like helping folks out, but it was always a part of me, like how do I help? Like, and that's just been my biggest mission about giving back. So entrepreneurship, um, simultaneously while I was building this thing called Around the World, I was working full time. Um, mm-hmm. um, but at a certain point in time, I just felt like I needed to get this out of me. If, if it, anything, like I needed to see this through, and I, I was spending all of my time in my jobs, like thinking about around the world. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, man, might as well just let it go. Like my mentor Kwame was just like, man, like you can always get a job, you can always get the job, but you don't want to be left with no regrets. Yeah. And so in 2016, that's when I took the leap of faith and was like, man, I'm going to try to do this full time mm-hmm. and just make it work. I don't know how, but I'm going to make it work. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you actually had to come to terms with leaving that comfort of a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And so um, you had something. What I like to I like to say is it's better to be pulled away mm-hmm. than to be running away. So mm-hmm. you actually loved the work that you were doing. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself going back and like giving back or, or um, implementing like a community engagement arm in Rumble? Yes. Yeah. Definitely see myself doing that. Yeah. I'm, man, I'm about I'm, I'm about service and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it in every way that I think is, is possible. Like that I think that we can do. So definitely we want to, if we don't do our own arm, we'll definitely partner with, with organizations for sure. Yeah. So what was your first year in 2016? What was your first year of entrepreneurship like? It started off really like, so, <laughs> so here's the thing. One of the things that, um, uh, what's the book called? Um, yeah. The Alchemist. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things the Alchemist talks about is like, um, when you first go, the universe will, will, will kind of like give you like the things that keep you going like in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So like it wants to show you and reward you for taking that leap of faith. 
and, and give you these small victories in the beginning. Because if you just start off the gate, getting your butt kicked, you might not want to continue. Right? <laughs> right, so the universe right. usually initially when you start something rewards you early on in the beginning. And that kind of happened for me, right? The first year, man, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I put this plan together. I got a group of people that wanted to help me. Um, and we had this goal and this vision and we saw it out. So I wanted to raise $10,000 to to put out my first line. And we raised the money. We put out the line and we did the event, the first ever like Run the World Experience event that um, coincided with the clothing release. And it did really well. Like it did really well. Like I made all the money back like the first week, yeah. like of selling the clothes. So like it, it just started off really, really good. Yeah. And then okay. <laughs> you started hitting those peaks and valleys. <laughs> and valleys. Yeah. valleys. So yeah. Um, but the first so the first year was 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 like one of the ones where okay like stuff is like happening like I'm good mm-hmm. and then after that you start seeing like oh snap there's seasons when people buy clothes oh people don't just buy clothes all the time or uh they didn't like this oh you sold everything you didn't start putting in for more stuff to keep going so now you gotta wait that time so all the money that you did make. You have to start spending on all your bills and expenses mm-hmm. without having nothing come in for X amount of time because you didn't buy enough product or you mm-hmm. didn't uh, or you didn't um, plan to buy product at a certain amount of time because you would need more to be upset. So I have to go through that experience as well. Okay, 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 okay. So you had the education, you had the passion for fashion, you had the idea and the vision, but then and then you even had the the initiative to get the money the first year. But then at some point, the business knowledge started to kick in. Mm-hmm. So understanding seasons of clothes mm-hmm. and understanding customer patterns and understanding inventory and distribution, that came later? Yeah. Okay. So how, where would you say you're in your journey of like understanding all the logistics behind the, the business? I think this is the first year, to be honest, 2021 mm-hmm. was the first year where I, I understand like exactly how long it's going to take for me to be a product made, what's my process that we've been designing and creating, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been able to stay on top of it for the most part now. That's cool. Yeah, it, just, it, just, it, it took all for all eight years, what, seven, eight years to get to that point. Yeah, that's 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 cool. I remember um, when we first met, I was, I was still in corporate. So, and you you didn't you wouldn't have known this, but I remember you don't know. But I was uh, my first job in corporate was inventory supply mm-hmm. chain, and um, we never talked about that. I do remember you moved, interesting. But I was like, I don't know what it's like to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> but I'm just curious to know if that's some of the vibes I was. I'm a very you know I'm a mm-hmm. vibe type person, but I wanted that's some of the vibes I was picking up from like the way you were like handling things as as an entrepreneur. It's like it was cool, and then it was like, okay, I wonder if this is efficient. I'm an efficient type person, mm-hmm. so now you understand what your efficiency looks like and things like yeah. that. Like, so that means like when people gonna be getting their shirt when they need to, yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, that part. No, so that part is good. I think the part that was most like not knowing how much product to order. Yeah. Right? And how much could you actually realistically sell. Yeah. But after you sell that, like you have to get more because you can't be sitting like, I don't make money if there's no product to be sold. Uh-huh. So it's cool to sell out, mm-hmm. but it's not cool to sell out at the same time because how many people are you missing out on? Yeah. But you don't want to be left with all this inventory as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like finding that sweet spot into like, okay, this is what I realistically know I can sell, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna get this much to stretch myself to sell more or whatever the case that is. That just mm-hmm. takes a whole lot of trial and error type of thing. Yeah. Um, 
there's this uh, uh there's this uh brand uh, that I it was a it's a guy who runs a brand who talks about the scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and so I I have been grown I've been raised to not don't ever chance those opportunity costs right mm-hmm. um have you have you become hipped to like those like sales tactics where they use scarcity mindset to sell clothes or um What's your thought process on leveraging that scarcity mindset to drive sales as opposed to that opportunity cost? Because I was definitely an opportunity yeah. cost type person. Um, yeah, I, I do both. Mm-hmm. I do a mixture of both, right? Mm-hmm. So there was this level of initially all the way, it was 100% like, yo, once it sells out, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So like people were like, oh, if you just make it again, please just move. I was like, no, you should have got it when you So it it, it, it it made people know that, yo, if I, don't, if I like this, if I don't get it right now, yeah. it's a potential that this may be gone. Yeah. And I did that so much over time that now people, like, if I'm if I'm dropping something and they've seen it or they know, like, some people on the side will hit me up and be like, hey, I know this might sell out, so let me give you my money right now. Yeah. So, like, I got people that do that for me right now. Yeah. So, I, I think I've done that, but then I've also, like, now become, like, more open to the idea, like, if people really like it. Because there's a difference between, like, in the grand scheme of life, let's say I made a hundred of whatever that was and a hundred people have it, mm-hmm. there's a lot more people in the world that can very much buy that too as well, right? Yeah. So if you can get a hundred people, you can find a hundred more people to buy the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the part of the process, I, the business part that I don't really, I wasn't really hipped on mm-hmm. or, or really thought about. I was just thinking about it from an artist's perspective of like, I've already sold a hundred pieces of this, I'm ready to go to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even worried about trying to sell the other thing anymore. Mm-hmm. But I had to understand now that Yo, if you can get somebody, if you can get 50, 60 people to buy something and they literally just bought that, you can find 50, 60 other people in this world because mm-hmm. how big this world is and how many people is in there that will buy the exact same thing. Yeah. So it's not about, like, you don't have to fix things that's not broken per se. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, part of it is, like, um, you can you can, you can can choose to replicate that same thing because it sold so well if you wanted to mm-hmm. then there's also because there's a lesson in each each line mm-hmm. the once the lesson is, is learned i need to go on to my next lesson mm-hmm. so i hear that that sweet spot coming into your mindset and i'm curious to see how you develop your strategy moving forward um because i never realized that is a, that is a scare i look at some of the things that you um launch and because i was in early in my entrepreneur journey I'm like this ain't gonna be cheap like mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna sit here and be like hey give me a discount yeah, yeah. so i'm like oh i'm just gonna have to miss out because i know that it's not um you know gonna come out with the same thing mm-hmm. and i kind of feel cool because i got the jacket yeah, you know I, I, I don't have it. and i haven't tried to make it like it's, it's literally like once it's gone and i say i'm not making no more it's gone. you literally have it's not gone. made it again and I, I i think i even thought he's gonna make it again like and you never did year after year so i believe you when you say like when you learn something this this is the collection that is the collection mm-hmm. um that makes sense um where do where do t-shirts uh fall into because i know you have like t-shirts with uh, um, messages on them mm-hmm. do those also go in the same cycle of like once they're gone they're gone not all the time mm-hmm. some do some don't mm-hmm. so it all depends on what it is mm-hmm. um, I've become a little more a lot more lenient on the t-shirts because that's one of the things that people will buy without thinking like that's more of a subconscious decision of buying like some of my big pieces like that jacket or something like these pants or maybe even the shirt might be something that might be, I have to actually really, really want it or have thought about it. But that could be another group of people that say, I messed with, I've been to this event and I saw you here or I talked to you and I liked what you were talking about. I wanted to support. 
-hmm. And you got to have those items for people to support, right? Mm -hmm. And one of those items is t-shirts because people pretty much change their life. People may not always change out their pants, but people change their t-shirts every day, right? For the yeah. most part. So you're always getting new t-shirts and people are always always okay with buying more t-shirts. You never have enough t-shirts. Yeah. So I, I try to keep those available for folks. Okay. Okay. So this might be um, a bit... No, it's, not, it's, it's really just an aesthetic thing. And because we're in Atlanta, um, I'm curious what customer... Um, what customer perceptions of the brand are from like Oakland to Atlanta because I know like your brand is very much it's, it's a statement you know mm -hmm. what I mean and my retro jacket is different than the 70s retro like it's a different type of retro right so do you find that the um, Oakland segment of your customer base is different in terms of what they like versus what Atlanta people like or do you find that you know Atlanta people like this as much as Oakland people uh yeah, I think I think wherever I go, people like like it. Mm -hmm. I think that um, so Atlanta's relatively hot mm -hmm. year round. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least like I would say seven to eight months out the year, right. probably it's probably pretty warm. Mm -hmm. Um, so hoodies don't always sell well here, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it's hot, so people in the, at nighttime it doesn't cool down. To the extent that you need to put on a hoodie. Right. You're wearing a hoodie is more for fashion statement than it is like for function. Yeah. In Oakland, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. Yeah. Even if it's warm, when it drops, because we're right so close to water that the temperature drops relatively drastically. So it gets cold at night, regardless of what time of year it is. Like mm -hmm. it, be, it can be as hot as hell in the daytime, it will cool down yeah. at nighttime and you'll need a jacket. Yeah. So hoodies probably can sell year round, I can sell them at any time. So I, being from Oakland, I never really thought about seasons. Mm -hmm. Like, I just never had to really think about seasons much. Mm -hmm. So I could put out a hoodie, some sweatpants, at any point in time I felt yeah. like doing it. Uh -huh. I can't necessarily do that in the yeah. So once it get hot, I mean, I got I got like, I have two hoodies somewhere right now. They just sitting and they not going. Yeah. I don't think they're going nowhere no time soon. <laughs> it's pretty hot out here. Yeah. But, the shorts, when the days come out, like people gonna go crazy. I know in London they gonna go crazy for the shorts. Okay, it's hot. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you're seeing that. Um, I'm not a fashion person, and it's, and I'm, because the South can be so traditional, mm -hmm. and um, I just I was just always curious how your customer base is from like inside looking out, like mm -hmm. as the person who runs the business. So that's really cool. Um, so it sounds like the difference that you found so far between Oakland and Atlanta is more seasonal versus style. Yeah, the style isn't really that a bigger issue. Maybe some of the messages, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe, maybe like, and this is me, I'm fishing for this because I don't know if I've had, I can't recall a very specific time, but I, I make this show that says the black woman's guy, right? Mm -hmm. And people could take that as sacrilegious, like people can... Like, you know, mm -hmm. you're in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. So, like, there could, there probably is a, a good group of people that's like, how can you create somebody that got, I've gotten that sometimes. Like, I'm not okay. gonna, like, why are you telling the God, like, dude, what mm -hmm. do you mean by that? Dude? Mm -hmm. Like, I get that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, people are like, oh, yeah, I want this shirt. Yeah, I want that shirt. Yeah, I'm God. Like, or, mm -hmm. or yeah, my, my lady, she's God, so I'm about to yeah. buy this shirt. Are your, are your core customers women? Yes, and I, I'm still trying to figure out why that is. You have a shirt that says well, "God, woman is God." <laughs> no, I'm saying that shirt. Yeah, okay, that shirt. Yes, yeah. but I like when I say like a lot of women buy just my clothes in general. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of I, I make it more unisex than anything. Mm -hmm. 
but a lot of the like style and aesthetics is for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest, a lot of the clothes I design, I design it for my own self to mm-hmm. be able to wear mm-hmm. and what I like and what I want to wear. Yeah. But women love my clothes, and that's like I don't like. That's interesting. Yeah. That's some, you know, since you my research homie, yeah. that is definitely something to research. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause I'm curious in terms of the color, the energy, the the message, enlightenment. Mm-hmm. What is it? You know what I mean? Like, I soaked up the message, mm-hmm. and then everything else came mm-hmm. after. I wonder if it's the same for other women. If it's the enlightenment, mm-hmm. or is it the style? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or is it you? Yeah, it could be. I I think it's a mixture of it all, mm-hmm. right? I think it's a mixture, cause I. I make stuff on trend or or right right on the cusp or right before it becomes a trend. Like mm-hmm. so I'm I'm right in line with what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. My personal belief is that if if Migos didn't wear it or if somebody high up didn't wear it, they don't like people are brand whores. So Okay. So people are so into this designer thing and they have to be hip in certain ways. Mm-hmm. One of them people haven't worn it, they don't want to be on it, if that makes sense. You remember? So, one thing <laughs> is, we had a conversation about your belief is your reality. Uh-huh. And I'm going to circle back to that point because I would, I think I would encourage you to research and research past that belief. Mm-hmm. Don't allow that belief to guide your research gotcha. either because. Outside of that reality are other realities, and you will find out what the truth is because we don't know what that is. Gotcha. But that that mindset, <laughs> that's like person, that's like the per, the scientist who was who was uh, evaluating black and white people and mm-hmm. telling us what we're different mm-hmm. um, and saying that we were inferior based yeah. on whatever. He, that's because his belief was guiding his research. Mm-hmm. So instead of like it. it Debating that topic, I think you should research it, and then we should have like a part two of this discussion of what gotcha. you actually find. Gotcha. Yeah, because I feel like this. Yeah. So in this conversation, I feel like we have gotten into. I'm, I'm, actually, we could be here for a long time, but I'm not gonna hold you forever. We have learned like so. You've educated me for sure, but I think you've educated a lot of folks on that sankofa and what it actually means, giving back and and being able to reach back as you move forward is like. The epitome of what I live for. I think your clothes actually stand for something. You stand for something, and you've had a transition that I think everyone can actually learn from in some form, form of fashion. Whether it's taking the leap, trusting your beliefs, tapping into who your real passions are. Because we didn't even get into the fact that you were rejecting fashion from the beginning, and here we are, almost mm-hmm. ten years later. You know, and seeing yeah. how that came to fruition. So. Yeah. I appreciate everything that you have done so far for me, and I just appreciate you spending this time with me and sharing your story. Um, and I want you like to as you think about uh, or reflect on your past. Um, there's there's someone who is uh, along the journey, you know, whether they haven't figured out what their passion is, whether they kind of want to execute on a vision or educate the world, whichever one um, or if all of them. What I like to do is have like my guests reach back and give a word or a word of encouragement or a word of motivation or enlightenment. That will help them along the journey um, because not everybody has that courage to go out and leap, take a leap or better themselves or um, even trust their vision. And so whatever that is for you, I would love for you to just share that in a quick word so we can take that out. So for me, there's two quotes that I kind of live my life by. One of them being by uh, Muhammad Ali. And he said, we have one life. It's soon will pass. What we do for God is all that lasts. 
So finding, making sure that you do something, that you find a passion, that you find something you love to do, and you use it in a way to give back to other people. Um, that's our, that's what everybody, to me, that's what everybody's mission is in life, and that's what it means to run the world, to find a passion, to use that passion and give it back. Because what we do for people, what I take that as, is what we do for people is the only thing that will last. Everything else, we're here today, going tomorrow. But what you try to impact is somebody else's how your legacy continues to go on way after you live here. I.e. like a Malcolm X from New York, a Muhammad Ali, or the next person I'm about to say, and their quote, Nina Simone, who, who said freedom for her was no fear. And so for me, I want to aid in the, the liberation of black people everywhere. And I think part of that liberation is a liberation from freedom, I mean from fear. And fear can be anything, right? It can be the fear of, of, of trying to to take an entrepreneurial endeavor and use that, you know, to, to feel, to, to, to like make the life that you want to have. That can be a fear of yours. Or it can just be a fear of like, I don't want to talk in front of people. Whatever it may be, mm-hmm. I'm here to, to be a person that exits out all my fears and just live my life according to how I want to. So for the audience, I would just say, one, find a passion that you want that you have and figure out a way to use that passion to give back. That's your God given given right to do. And that's what our purpose is in life, my belief is. And don't let fear hold you back from doing anything that you want to do. Um, because we're not gonna be here that long. But fear is the one thing that kills everything that doesn't happen. For the most part, it's the fear of of not being able to to see it go through or being able to contribute. So don't let fear drive you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, y'all heard it. Victor, where can they find you? Where can the people find you? Yeah, so you can find me personally on Instagram at Run the World Vic. And you can find my brand and buy some cool threads at runtheworldclothing.com. And you can find us and follow us on Instagram at runtheworldclothing. Dope, dope, dope. Well, actually, Victor, did you know? Before we close out of here, that uh, I'm a a career coach? Yes, I did know that you were a career coach. uh, I've been following your journey. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's funny that uh, I get to have these conversations with my clients, but what really fuels that that conversation that I have with them is from having experiences and and examples like you um, who have actually just kind of shown me what it's like to be an entrepreneur and and, and literally live on your passion and take chances and, and tell your vision. So I really appreciate being able to have these conversations because it mixes that work and play. But I also get to take back the wisdom that I have and have the same conversations and the enlightenment with people who haven't yet figured out what their passions are or figured out that they're ready to take that leap so um, that they can actually tap into what's already inside of them and start to live their vision, i.e., you know, let their light shine. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, I just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, You guys have heard a really great story. Um, Victor's been able to share with how he educates, inspires, and makes us all look good in the process. So if you learned anything, please uh, reach out to Victor. Definitely want to tap in on, on Instagram. It's a lot of good stuff coming out. And if you're interested in catching out the shirt, you definitely want to go check out the website. So until next time, thank y'all for watching. Thank you for listening. Peace out.